it just spoke to me. Yeah, it's a new security. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, Zoom just spoke to me, everyone. Welcome to today's show with Titar and Tiffany and our regular co-hosts, Pamela Davis and Erin Birch. Yeah. Thanks, ladies. Thanks for joining us. So we have two black girls and two white girls. And today we're going to be having just a roundtable discussion around our own evolution since the year. The year has gone past of the anniversary of George Floyd's murder. Um, I know for T, Tara and I, it was a huge tipping point. I know I know a little bit about Erin's evolution. I'm really interested to hear about Pam's evolution as well. So um, let's dive dive right in. Who wants to share where they were? Maybe let's start with um, the day of. Oh, she'll come back. Her internet's playing up. Um, Well, let's start with you, Pam, because... um, I know for me that day is like a day I will never, ever forget. It feels like the day that um, I, I woke up at 1 a.m. in the morning in Australia and the Twin Towers was being, you know, um, burned to the ground. So that's how it felt, felt for me watching that. But, Pam, what's, what's been your experience? Um, that day, and it's, I guess let me preface it, I had never watched that video. Right. Um, yeah. I, can't, I can't watch it. It just frustrates me and waking up that day when everything happened, when it happened, I remember seeing the video snippets from people. There was a lot on social media about it. And I was like, I just have to decompress. Yeah. But I just, I had heard the parts that I had seen, unfortunately with him, like calling out to his mother Mm. and stuff like that. I'll be honest. It broke me. Um, Mm. I know I cried a lot uh, during that time. Because I was just like, I can't believe that we're here again. Yeah. Like I knew things, you know, it's always going to be an undercurrent because that's unfortunately our history with racism and p- police brutality. But to see it like that, so open and we were already, I hate to say it, you're already emotionally charged because we were in the middle of um, the pan- the panorama. And the panorama wasn't doing really well at that particular point. It wasn't, you know, so we were all struggling and it was just like this thing happened and it did. It just, I broke, I felt like I broke, broke open. That was actually the the tipping point for where I was having the most honest conversations around my feelings toward racism, because I was like, this just has to stop. And I, I just, it was, it was the breaking point and it's just unfortunate that it happened, but yeah, it broke, it broke me in a way. Yeah. Can feel all, feel all of that. Tita, what about you? What was your experience? That I ain't going to be broken no more. That was my experience. I was like, okay, you know what? Enough is enough. Right. And so for me, it was like, how am I playing into this? as well. Like, how am I being complicit to allow, you know, uh, whites to feel like they're superior or to feel like we're lesser than. And so it Mm. actually brought on immense self-reflection as a black woman. Mm. So that's, that's, that's what transpired for me. And, and then I'm sure we'll talk later. And then I could talk to how, what, what it played into later, but yeah, so what transpired for me is like, oh, mm-mm, no, I, I, I know I'm more than just 
a black woman that's supposed to be oppressed. I knew that my existence meant more and to, to see it as a, you know, like the whole race, like how the black race has been oppressed for so long, um, just made me more realize something, there was like a switch that flipped that made me really realize that, you know what? <laughs> it's really the white people. It really truly is. You know, like I knew there's, you know, I knew there's racism. I knew there's oppression, but you know what I'm saying? It's like when you're in it and part of it, like I was born into, so it was just kind of like a, unfortunately a natural, you know, a natural thing, a natural dynamic. I think after George Floyd, that was the really first time that I was able to really comprehend that white people are racist. There are some significant white racist people out here who do not want to see brown and black people excel due to their own insecurities, due to their own um, lack of awareness and who they are and what their real purpose and fulfillment is and using black and brown people as an excuse when they're not moving in direction that they feel like so it's easy for them to band together in that regards and keep oppressing. So that was, that's what came to me is to realize like, you know what? I actually have more power than I thought I had. I actually have more br brilliance than I thought I had because I kept listening to the story that was told about black and brown from the white people's narrative. Mm, mm. Thank you. Erin, what about, what about you? What was your experience of George Floyd. You know, as a as a white person who was in the is in, I guess what you would call, I don't know, the entitled class or something. Like I I was always at stories like this, always what I would describe as righteously horrified. Like I was like, you know, when I saw any headlines or when I read or, you know, anything like about these, about these incidents that were happening, I was righteously horrified, like, oh. But not until George Floyd did I feel like what you were saying, Tita, that I'm part of the problem in that I don't have an adequate perspective. I don't have an adequate um, education to really, and then when I saw it, it, so for many people and for myself included, watching the video was a galvanizing experience. Like it started me, like, instead of just being like the idea of righteous horf, horf, horrification or whatever. That'll work. Um, <laughs> I would, I, I actually felt like, oh, this is, this is like, this is such a bigger problem. This is such a more, it's not an isolated incident anymore. The, the, the brazen way that it happened and the length of time that the life oozed out of George Floyd was just beyond horrifying. Like it, it, it felt like it went inside and touched parts of my gut and my, like my soul. And it was like, no, this, this is not, this is not it. This is not, we can't, I can't, I can't be, I mean, I'm still a part of the problem. Um, and, mm. you know, I've, 
I've started, I, I like having that as an ongoing reality for me is a good thing to keep me more curious, more open, more, more educated. And so that started me on the, the path of, you know, I, for, I was just like everything I could get my hands on. I was reading or listening to or watching or, or speaking about or researching all those things. I just was, I became like um, obsessed in a way, like I have got to understand this, you know, I've got to understand this problem. And so, um, yeah, just reading things, you know, that you recommended Tiff and then, and then going deeper and deeper and being part of some groups and education and, and really listening to the black experience more deeply became really essential for me, so. Yeah, thank, thank you for, for sharing that. I think for me, yeah. it was pure, like, how can this be happening in a country like this? wait, this is really America? Like I'm watching someone be murdered in front of my eyes, watching people on the sidelines yelling, screaming, trying to stop it. Like I was just horrified. And like Pam, I cried for days, days. Like it was just, I think, you know, it was like, oh, my God. I've been, I've, I've been missing this. Like, I just didn't, I didn't fully comprehend or understand the, um, the extreme of it. And I just, I, 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 I couldn't comprehend for so long. And then, um, yeah, like Erin went into a deep dive of like, okay, what else can I learn? The history, the culture, um the the real history right like tv um movies like every kind of um uh ray of sunshine so to speak from comedies to you know old black or black movies to like then you know watching um movies around Tulsa and and so on and so forth but it was just like pure horror like it was, it was such a wake up call. And I hear a lot of people say that. And then I reached out to Tita. <laughs> so from there, Pam, um, what, what do you feel like has been the, the evolution of that experience of the day to where you are now? Like, how have you changed? What do you see? Those sorts of things. I think for me, it was, I noticed in myself more of a feeling where I had to, I have to make sure that when I'm educating people about the dynamic of being black in America, because something that you said, like, how can this happen in this country? That's not the, that wasn't the surprising part to me right? because that's, that happens all the time. That happened with Eric Garner. I mean, many more behind have, have died at that in that way and so it's not unsurprising it was just I have to admit it opened up in me a sense of I have to be a part of the change I have to be able to educate people on the fact that there really has to stop being this criminal perception of black men and black women but in particularly 
in this situation, I felt uber protective of black men mm. because it was just like, we literally just watched a state, a state sanctioned murder mm-hmm. on television of, of a black man over a supposed counterfeit $20 bill. And that in itself shows the, the pettiness, but at the same time, the levels of, um, the levels of belief that black men are criminals and that are animals to have to approach something so minor in a way with so much force, so much criminality and that has to change. So for me, it was like, I have to tell the truth about this experience because as as a black person, you do learn how to navigate and move through this world and you deal with the issues secretly versus Mm -hmm. always dealing in the state of rage that you feel because James Baldwin was 100% right to be black in America is to be in a constant state of rage Mm -hmm. all the time and it's just like something's got to give so I wanted to make sure that I lend my voice in a way to help try to change some of the perceptions around black men because I don't care how much the media tries to divide black women and black men we will always love each other when it Mm -hmm. comes down to it And we have to be the ones to help dispel some of these rumors and myths that all Black men are criminals. That man was a father. That was somebody's brother, I mean, or a lover. And he deserved Mm -hmm. to have a life just like anybody else. But because of his size and his demeanor, you automatically assume he's a monster and you treat him like a monster. And that's just, it, it has to stop. So for me, it was definitely a period of, making sure that I speak truth to power because I do, I I don't make any bones about it. I love black men. I was raised by a strong black man. And so I totally will support black men, even in spite of all of our flaws, because we all have flaws that doesn't, doesn't warrant that. And at the same time, we have to stop allowing the media and other people to traumatize us constantly with our murders because that, like what happened with Mr. Floyd was horrible and it definitely deserved to be televised. And I'm grateful in this one instance that a young girl took the chance, risked her own safety to take the chance to record that murder. Because if that had not happened, he would have been just like everybody else. And it took so that everybody could get a chance to feel what it's like Like I felt like someone in my family had passed away watching him and hearing about his murder and reading about it and just the clips. And I was horrified. So it definitely has really motivated me to make sure I use my voice as strongly as I can in support of us, in support of understanding that we are, we're, we're, Black people are not monolithic. We are diverse and we are wonderful and we deserve freedom and happiness. And that, that's, that murder just really made me feel even more strongly about making sure that we present the fact that as a black, what it's really actually like to live black in America, like black people, we have to stop being quiet about what it's like to live here. We have to tell the truth. We have to speak truth to power so that people like yourself and Aaron and others can understand this isn't right. And we need you to help us bring these changes about. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for that. Wow. Totally. 
Tita, what's been your, I've been, I've been watching your evolution, but I want to hear from you, your evolution since that day. Yes. Um, my evolution, uh, I mean, similar to uh, what Pam said, I mean, the podcast, right? I mean, we've already kind of two years ago or 18, we had the podcast in motion, yeah. but I think it was more intentional. We were like, okay, let's, let's really be intentional about this. Right. So after George Floyd, so that this is part of that, but I would say the main evolution is Tita. Right. And I say that because I really um, was able to kind of, like I said, a flip, a switch flipped in my head. And I was like, wow, I am also allowing myself to be oppressed in certain ways. Yes, I know there's systems and I know there's barriers and challenges, but I was able to be like, okay, what can I do different to combat my own oppression as a black person? So this is what I did because there is a lot of trauma and tragedy tragedies amongst black people, just generationally, because when you are, when there's racism plus oppression, it equals destruction. And so destruction happens in the black family more than not because of all the other barriers and system systematics of oppression and racism and just the way that black people have been treated through you know years right so then i was like okay because we're not at a place where as we see white folks are not like you know what i do accept that racism is does exist and i do accept that slavery did exist and i do accept that whatever because when you can't accept something, then we can't move forward. History mm. is going to repeat itself until you accept it. So I was like, besides being vocal for Black people, I'm like, okay, you know what? I can't sit back and see if, if the Aaron's or if the Tiffany's or, or whatever other white friends or other white people I know can become so, um, you know, so knowledgeable more about racism and how they navigate the world to not be oppressive to, to others, I need to work through my own trauma. <laughs> I need to work through my trauma as a black woman. I need to work through my trauma from racism, oppression, and then the oppression within my own black um, family because of racism, right? So, because I need to have my black joy and you have my black love because racism is not gonna go away anytime soon. We still, I've said this before, we still have the white men in Capitol Hill, okay? And as long as we have those old guards in Capitol Hill, a lot of different policies that can take place just to kind of help some of the systems to break or be dismantled are not going anywhere. So I was like, you know what? On this time on earth, I have a feeling that racism is gonna be here. So let me get into my black joy. Let me get into my black brilliance. Let me shift and change my presence on earth so that I know that whatever you have to say, whatever you do, all these racist things you do, all these oppression things you do, guess what? It's not knocking me down no more. Guess what? Actually, I know what will help. I know building wealth. So for me, it's building wealth with my other black people that economy is going to shift some things. So I'm focusing on what can we do 
to really make some changes in the black culture. And one of it is really bringing that, you know, that there's that wealth gap is huge. So bringing that closer so that we can do some things because in America it is economics, right? It is class, it is divisions, whether we want to say it or not, it really is. So the bottom line is Tita basically level herself up in the society, owning her brilliance, telling her story. Nobody's going to tell my story no more. And I was able to heal through a lot of my own blackness trauma and understanding that I'm great and I'm going to move forward in my greatness no matter what systems are out there. I will find a way to smash that so that I can keep going and the people behind me or next to me can go with me too. So I'm letting you all know right now. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag tea towel moment. Love it. <laughs> go girl. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Erin, what's been your evolution? Well, first of all, I just want to acknowledge you two for your passion. It's just really, it's really mm. lighting me up. I really appreciate it. Um, hmm. I think, you know, I, have to admit that I didn't, I mean, I, I had, I have black friends. I have brown friends. I have, you know, I have Asian friends. I've got, but, but I didn't really know black culture. I didn't really know the black experience. Tita, you really helped me. And maybe this isn't true for you anymore. And if, if that's if that's true, then awesome. But um, when I was on the podcast um, a while ago, um, you said, you know, I have, when I'm out shopping, I have to check my bag to make sure that it's zipped or closed because I might be construed as a shoplifter. And that was like, that was like a, a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, you mm. what? Like you have to take these steps to, to like safeguard your own other people's perception of you all the freaking time. And I was like, wait, what you, you have to, you have these, these hoops that you have to jump through to go shopping. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that was abhorrent. And I was like, wow, I really don't know. I really don't know. I really don't know what the experience is to walk through the world. It's not just a different color, right? It's a different experience. And that really landed for me in that conversation. Um, and just that, you know, just becoming much more, much more highly aware um, through the education I did about not only black experience, black culture, but the systemic, the, the, the pernicious, intentional, systemic divide that's created through all of the, like every system that you can name, every system that you can name, yeah. it's, it's intentionally built mm. to keep blacks down. And I'm like, and so the gap that you were talking about, Tita, I think is because 
in order for one class, race, whatever, to be here, we have to have somebody down here. And, and that's, that's what, that's the suck of it right there. Like that humans are insecure to the point where they can't just allow like others to be in their brilliance, be in their passion, be in their truth, be in their joy without, uh, 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 you know, like that to me is suck with a capital S-U-C-K. Like that just, that makes me crazy because um, what I've identified in my work, which only it helps to kind of, it's how I configure things is that I believe there's only one disease on the planet and that's disconnection. And, and it can look a whole lot of ways, you know, it can look like domestic violence, it can look like genocide, it can look like George Floyd murder, it can look like um, cancer, it can look like whatever it is, right? But the, the, at the root of it, if you follow it down to the root, it's disconnection and that's, and, and what I've noticed about myself and my own evolution and watching my um, clients and that kind of thing is that connected people don't hurt themselves, don't hurt each other and don't hurt the planet. So connection is the, is the thing that we have to like really sink our teeth into. And I love that you're, you know, that, that um, Pam, you were talking about, you're speaking your truth and Tita, you're talking mm -hmm. about living your joy and that's all connection stuff, right? Like it can't, like in the past, I think, you know, some black movements have been to further disconnection. I don't know about that for sure, but that's my, that's my sense. Mm -hmm. And now it feels more like there's much more coming together, much more connection, which honestly connection is the healing currency. So, uh, you know, the more connected we are, the more deeply connected we are, the more honestly connected we are with our own stuff. And you were talking about your healing Tita, that kind of stuff. Like that's where the, that's where this, that's where we can actually grab the balls of this systemic racism and, 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 and take it down because connection and is, that's where we, that's where humans actual, awake humans thrive is in connection and the planet thrives in connection and everything thrives in connection. So that's where my passion is, is because I really love to see aliveness and that happens in connection. Mm. And that's why we have destruction. <laughs> Right. Like you said, yeah. connect, no connection. That's why there's destruction a lot. Yeah. That's right. And that's what allows people, that's what allows people to do horrifying things is when they're truly, I mean, there's, there's no way connected people just don't behave that way. There's, there's a series of behaviors mm -hmm. that are disconnected, disconnection based, and you can see it all over the place. And then when somebody's really connected, it just nothing like that ever happens. It doesn't occur. Right, just doesn't occur because connection is a whole different platform upon which to stand. So when somebody like like um, Derek, whatever his face is, I'm sorry, I don't remember him. Um, you know, when you're watching the video, you're like disconnected human. Oh, like, that the the yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. We don't need so yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah, love, con love connection. Oh gosh! I evolution too, but I'll let you tell your story. Wait, what did you okay. say? 
oh, we want to hear your evolution. I said, I've seen yours as well, but I'm going to let you tell your story. Well, I mean, definitely the first thing was in reflecting on my evolution was when we started this podcast back in 2018 and then we took a pause and then we picked it back up again. It was perfect, right? Because between 2018 and 2020, um, I'd also had time to kind of like understand just American culture and America itself and investigate more. Um, But I also started a relationship with a black man. And so there's even more depth that comes with that when you're in relationship um, if you're in an aware relationship, I, I don't know, I, I imagine there's white women or white men in relationships with black people that still don't probably understand the depth because it's easy to kind of, if you want to brush over it, mm-hmm. I think. To ignore. That's really ignore on, yeah. on both on both parts, right? Like that's too hard for you to understand. I'm going to brush over it. I don't really understand, so I'm going to brush over it on, on both parts. But um, you know, I have a partner that I think sees my willingness to know and try to understand that he um, supports me in that and and takes me there, right? I think I also get a little bit of a pass because I am Australian. And there's a lot of nuances and things that I just don't know about the the differences and the clashes in white and black culture, in black and Asian culture, in black and black culture. Like I'm still learning. I just, there's things that I don't know. Um, So there was a lot that came with that, but also like I, I, I really wanted to go deep and understand my own white privilege I didn't fully get that before. Titar had actually taught me a lot um, and other women of colour as well because they saw my willingness to want to know and um, unravel that. But I love what Titar talks about, and I know you do too, Pam, is like you've got to do the self-inventory, you've got to do the self-work, you've got to do the self-healing. And that comes with real-life practice and making mistakes. And I made a hell of a doozy yesterday, which we're going to talk about um, on next week's show. Like I, I really effed up. I, I I feel like I did. She's being gracious. Like as a so-called ally, like I effed it up and I I don't, I won't, I won't go into it here because we're we're going to talk about it next week. But I thought I, like, I thought, I kind of had a good grasp on things. And then that happened yesterday. And I was like, oh my God, I am still acting from a place of privilege. Like, I think I know. And then the more, you know, you think, you know, and then yeah. the more you realize you don't know. Right. And so it's like a lifetime of white privilege being unraveled and, and, and really looking through a different lens in everything that I do. And I really believe that you know, part of my purpose work and my work is to do this work. Like so many things aligned and happened for me to keep stepping, stepping into this. And um, I think about where I was, you know, a year ago watching that. And it was my boyfriend that said here, because I saw it on my feed and I didn't watch it. And then we sat down, we watched it together and I just bawled my eyes out to where I am now. And it's just like this, it's just this, 
there's more and more like small minute nuances and understandings that I'm just really well aware of before. Like the way that I I look now is is because I have a black partner, right? I'm gonna be honest, is is through a different lens because I have to for his safety, right? For his well-being. You know, mm-hmm. I just I walk through the world differently. And it's it's such a blessing to understand that on that level. And it's heartbreaking, like heartbreaking. And to what Aaron was saying, um, I'm part of the problem, you know, like I'm part of the problem. So what can I do to continue really being an anti-racist and really being an ally? Um, and I, I mean, I have crazy visions and daydreams sometime where like I'm in a Starbucks or something and, and, you know, there's a black person there, like, which this really happened. Right. And, and police come in and I'm like, I'm there, right. I'm there. And I'm like, no. And I'm like this, this kind of ally. Right. I'm like, if that ever happens, I'm there and I'm all guns are blazing and that's not going to happen on my watch. Well, Yesterday it happened on my watch in, in not not in that extreme, but there was a real lesson there. And I think as a white person, you can only do the work if you're doing the work. And that means getting uncomfortable. That means checking yourself all the time. That means catching yourself all the time and admitting that you got it wrong and um, really listening to what people of color, black people have to say and reserving your comparison of like, oh, I understand that as a woman, right? I think women can do that, white women particularly, like, oh, I get that. I understand that. And it's just not the same. And so um, the evolution has been huge and I, I still have like such a long, long way to go and it's messy. It's so friggin' messy that you got to be willing to get your hands dirty. So. And that's the thing, your growth. I know we're going to talk about yesterday and next week, but your growth, I, you might have not even a year or two ago, even kind of recognize. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're able to recognize, even though you had a conversation with me about it and I, you know, kind of provide you with my suggestion of this is what I'm trying not to give it away for next week. Uh, this is what, this is this, whatever, right? But the point of it is you recognized where you made a mistake. And then I don't even know, I don't even call it a mistake. You recognize where you could have responded to a situation differently. And luckily for me, I have you, right? I have my boyfriend. I have other friends of color that check me they do they check me in a really loving way i don't think everyone has that and that's why this show to me is so important right like to give the opportunity for people that don't have that self-check that person in there right that can be like uh -uh, no or right so um i'm grateful for that that's yeah i was gonna say that speaks directly to what aaron was mentioning about connectivity because yeah. when you're connected to multiple different people, you're not just dealing with the same silo of people True. that you always deal with. You challenge yourself to learn true new experiences. And that's why it is. It's very important that we have friends of many different cultures because that's going to help us be able to dispel any kind of 
racist no rhetoric and notion because you know people you've learned through experiences through conversation through food mm -hmm. i mean i always feel like one thing that i think some people do who might not who might be racist i just feel like you stay in this country forever like you have you must not go anywhere right you must you must not try to expand yourself to see all these different cultures so that you can learn that it, it, there is more than just this. Not saying that it's bad, it's complex. I'm not going to lie, but you have to experience different people. That's the only way that you really start to break down your own self-perceived notions or what you get fed anyway by what society wants you to believe. That division that Aaron spoke of, a lot of that is a societal construct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I I agree with you. And I'm going to say, I said this to someone yesterday and they agree with me too. I'm going to be real though. I, I don't, I I'm tired of hearing, Oh, they're ignorant or we're ignorant when it comes to racist situations. Yeah. This is 2021. We know racism exists yeah. in America. So then people are choosing, they're choosing not to want to get to know another ethnicity or another culture, or another background. Cause you, mm -hmm. There are so many ways, like their accessibility. You don't even have to have funds. There's so many documentaries you can read to or watch to understand. There's there's a plethora of information out there for folks to be able to dispel some of their assumptions or the ignorance. So I agree with you on that. I just believe that people make a choice to want to understand a different race mm -hmm. or culture versus not to yeah you might live in two buck two and maybe you ain't got no cable maybe you ain't got no wi-fi okay i'll give you a little bit of not anymore every place has it that's true don't don't come at me especially if i see you an uh, urban person don't come at me talking about you were ignorant to that can i can but, i say something about choice like i i wonder about this this is a, this is a place of curiosity for me it, it seems to me that choice only happens when it's an actual choice. And what I mean by that is that there's consciousness happening. Mm. So choice happens when there's consciousness. Like, mm. like until that, until consciousness or the, or the light comes in, people will choose the same thing. Right. So in order to choose something different, something actually has to shift in the consciousness field so that the choice becomes not only just available, right, from an internet or, you know, documentary or whatever perspective, mm -hmm. but it's actually available to them in that choice. And that's why George Floyd's death was so important because so many people started to see the choice. It felt like it felt like George sacrificed his life in this way so that people actually recognized that they had a choice that the, the well, consciousness shifted yeah he didn't sacrifice I, it well <laughs> not a choice i know what you mean on the soul level I, I right 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 i think some people don't want to listen they just ignore the conscious decisions though i that's just i just feel like but then their own, but then their own kind I'm not saying, I'm not letting anybody off the hook here, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what that yeah, was. No, no, no. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying, there's people who just literally choose to ignore certain situations. But then, but they're, then they're fully aware. But then, yeah, they're aware, but they may not be conscious. So that's actually a 
slightly, it's a, it's a finer point. And again, I'm not letting anybody off the hook. I'm just noticing for myself when I can actually, when, like I may know, and I may be aware and I may be all up in my own, you know, grill about it, but until I can actually make a better choice, like there's something else in there. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just bringing it up as a curiosity, not as a, not as a, you know, this is one way or this is, it's just my own experience and I'm bringing it up because I think there's something that has to happen in terms of consciousness in the field so that people can like, and, and I think that's the work that this podcast is doing is it's raising the consciousness of the field and you all are doing your own work on this so that, so that more and more people will, will get the, will come to the place of actual choice and make a better choice of connection. So, but, but I think that to your point about consciousness, even though it was televised and re televised over and over again, I think that was the awakening. I think that people knew that yeah. obviously there, everyone knows racism to Tita's point. We all know <laughs> you're yeah. not crazy, yeah. you know, but at the same time, you got to think about the timing society we move around so much we do so many things this was a one time in history where we were all sitting down where we all had nowhere to go and nothing else distracting us so we can think now about other things and then here you are served this traumatic moment and it wasn't like he was fighting and then hearing him like i said calling out for his mother i think that humanized him unfortunately and it definitely should not have had to be that to humanize him but I do believe that humanized him in the minds of a lot of people and that is why we wound up seeing such a connected outcry it wasn't just black people this time it was white people it was Asian people it was everybody because everybody Mm. saw this at this particular point in time when everybody was alert and aware and your consciousness was open to seeing something different because yeah. that, that happened all the time. But now it was on television live and in touch and everybody was awoken. Your consciousness was like, oh my God, this is not right. Yeah. Everybody saw it. And then all of a sudden, I think that's how you got it. Yeah, you're right, Pam. I think it was really, there was something really um spearheaded about Mm -hmm. the experience that it actually like you know it it blew up because there was because there was nothing else that was distracting the world not even just America but the world like everybody's under the blanket of COVID right Mm -hmm. and it was like and and so the you know also the fact that the world was watching yeah was another really big piece of Mm -hmm. of waking people up on a bigger scale yeah, because yeah. racism, I mean, it's not exclusive to America. It is a very large problem here. But oh, yeah. There is uh, many, many specific. countries. <laughs> right. We have some very specific <laughs> issues. But specific issues, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I saw how how much they were protesting in the UK and England. I mean, racism and mm-hmm. yeah, Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, South everybody's Africa. got an issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody's got an issue. And now we're all tuned in to the fact that we're tired everybody was tired and that was that breaking point Mm. that matchstick 
See, mm-hmm. and all of that brings me back to why America is still very racist. Because what are the things now? Yeah. And that's why the conscious thing. I'm trying. I get what you're saying, Erin. I'm trying to get my head wrapped around the people. I know. I'm. I'm not. I'm not even asking you to wrap your head around it. You no, know, but I'm thinking about the white. I'm still thinking about Capitol Hill. They yeah. make conscious mm-hmm. choices to go against anything that doesn't mm. benefit. Okay. Yes. Conscious choices versus choices with consciousness. Those are two different things. <laughs> yeah, to benefit, yeah. Um, uh, let's be real, brown and black people, because that's why they're trying to put, in, they're changing the voting laws. Why are they changing the voting laws all of a sudden after, you know, it's because brown and black people made a difference. So now they want to change laws to where they can see where, how can this affect, how can this law be more harmful to the black and brown people? And like here in Florida, Pam, as you know, like the protesting, they're trying to change the whole um, laws around protesting to make it very difficult to protest. So if you are protesting, then you can go down just like that, you know? So it's these things that brown and black people have done to try to change systems, dismantle Mm -hmm. systems, or, or at least just navigate them so that we have a chance at some sort of equality and that, and then when they try to squash that and tries to shift those things now, that lets you know that we are still a very racist society. Because otherwise, why these people in our Capitol Hill and in our government, why would they try to change situations that's going to hinder Black and brown people? But I think that the thing with George Floyd, and I'm sure we would probably will get to this, is George Floyd did what nobody, no other death, unfortunately, has done. It yeah. united everyone. Yes. And that scares those politicians. Yeah. Because for the first time in history now, it's not just the Black people out here. We're always yeah. upset in their mind. But now you have white people, you have Asian people, you have everybody out here. You have corporations taking yes. away their, their donations. Yeah. So now you're hitting my bottom line in my pocket. Right. No, no, no. Money. I now mm-hmm. have to, yeah. So that's why you're seeing all of these laws come into effect about mm-hmm. writing, the voting rights. Mm-hmm. Now they're talking about critical race theory. George oh, Floyd awoken, he awoke the consciousness of the world. And you have to think about the, const- the construct. The construct is, it's about power. No matter what we sit here and talk about in regards to racism, yes, racism exists, but power is universal. And they want power. We came in all of a sudden now and we've stripped all the power. That can never happen again. And you can't awaken the minds of all these people that if they unite, they have the power. Mm -hmm. Because it's funny, I know when you said earlier, Aaron about some of the other um, political movements of the past, you know, they were very, they yeah. were more about connectivity. I'm going to disagree with you yeah. because, um, and I would probably reference my, one of the, the best movies I saw last year or earlier this year, uh, Judas and the Black, Judas Messiah, and the Black Messiah with, with Fred Hampton. I would recommend that you watch that mm-hmm. because they killed, the government killed Fred Hampton not because he was trying to overthrow the government because he was trying to make people rise up. He was uniting black people, white people, brown people, all against the government construct of not taking care of the poor, the inner city children, the youth. 
he was that was the that's the issue the government does not want us all to come together they feed a lot of these narratives and a lot of this stuff to come together because if we came together we definitely are the ones that are going to be able to dictate the narrative of the country we're letting them have all the power yes racism exists yes i'm not gonna lie it does and but at the same time i think everybody needs to understand george floyd was a wake-up call for something greater mm-hmm. he was a wake-up call for racism and mm-hmm. he's a wake-up call for our democracy mm-hmm. if we all don't wake up <laughs> and it's come together if yeah. we are, we're all in trouble like black sure. people we're used to being in trouble yeah. but some of y'all gonna be right along with us oh, in yeah. a few if we don't all the snap out of it but yeah i would recommend that you watch it because a lot Thank of that you. about the black panther party and all of that that yeah. was the government construct because they didn't like the fact that they could organize yeah and they could yeah. organize not just black people you could organize white people you yeah. can organize brown hispanic people he was all about trying to help bring about equality and what we're talking about but the government doesn't like that to an extent thank yeah. you for that correction i appreciate yeah. that so, yeah. and that's why critical theory needs to stay and that's why yes i don't like give i don't even care what the government does anymore i think it's the people yeah. we need to have documentaries we need to tell our stories we need you know we mm. have the netflix we have yeah. the mm. people who are telling the truth right because mm. they the government's trying to read write history we need to like kind of rewrite them out i mean you know what i'm saying like <laughs> i get yeah. why the government's here but we we it's, need to overpower them by the people just doing things differently. Yeah, the government is trying to seize more control. Yeah. George Floyd did. Your point. He, Your point. He's, they're scared. Yeah, they're scared. they are. Yeah. They are afraid. Look at the corporations. Like Pam says, well, well you guys, hey, no government. If our bottom line is going to affect it. Sorry, peace out. We for the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to the people because, you know, unfortunately, it's money that's motivating them. But I do think there's some that are actually, like you're saying, awareness and maybe some of that conscious yeah. you know connection like actually like oh wow okay yeah. I have been playing into it like this way you know so I think that um I think some corporations actually are getting it like they're actually getting it and not just because their bottom line were getting affected even if that was yeah. the motivating factor agreed agreed <laughs> Because totally we've agreed. seen real shifts, like we've yeah, seen yeah. shifts in leadership. A, a company's not going to change their C-suite just for performance optics. You know, they're they're making some real changes, and I know our podcasts have done that for organizations and company changing their leadership. You know, and just different things like that. So absolutely, I just feel like is it's so wonderful to see like yourself, Aaron, and Tiffany that you're doing the work and you're trying to be intentional, the government is more afraid of more of you doing that. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Because the more of you who do that, that means that the more we all start to align against all of this craziness and we can fix it. Because it I mean, we can, we can fix it. We need each other. We're the ones who are going to help fix it. And, you know, to Tiffany, to uh, Tita's point about wealth, I mean, I'm Gen X. I, my, I'm not gonna lie. My protesting days are 
Exactly. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. However, I will. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be the I'm one to fund it. Money. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but Thank like somebody. Yeah. Let me get right. with the Gen Z. I will fund right. you yes. to gotcha. go out here and do money. it. Yes. Yeah. I'm the money and the boy, the other, the leverage you need because I want to see change. If we don't, we're going to keep having these conversations. But yeah, George Floyd taking it back to him. He is really that that man's death really set off like such a change reaction within our world. These people in the elite society and the government, they're shook and they are trying to lock it down very quickly. I think the loss of the uh, the election too was another like thing yeah. for them. They're like, yeah, whoa, we got to do something fast. Let's whip this shit into shape. Let's start these voting laws. Let's yeah. start protests. Like all this stuff. Crumble. Like it's they, not- yeah. Yeah, it's not like Pam said. It, they could never win another election. They could never, like, yes. they knew that. Yeah, our country is going to crumble before it goes to any other elite status like that. Before it goes to anything like it has, they've been trying to do. Because, again, like I said, rest, racism plus oppression equals destruction. There, destruction. It's, destruction is going to, to, to it's, go, it's going to be very, it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> It and, is. and I mean, things don't really start flipping and shifting. It's not, yeah. I mean, just look at history, even ancient mm. history. Just look at history when oppression has been, when it went for years and years and years, you know, what, what happened? There's a, yeah. there's, I just keep thinking of, you know, the, yeah, the dynamic of the genie, like, you know, you can't put genies back in the bottles once, yep. once like, so like with George Floyd, like, you know, mm. he's out of the bottle. You can't, you can't put, um, you know, same sex marriage back in the bottle. Like they're trying right. to do the abortion right now. Like, right. We'll see, but I don't think it can stand because there's so much energetic, uh, you know, like there's just people, no, I mean, I, I, I'm probably the old, I am the oldest one here. So, um, I remember I actually, I was, I was alive when, before Roe versus Wade. I was alive when, you know, girls and women were being basically killed because of botched abortions or yeah. being, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they, you know, like really, this is a really serious thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's like, when, when Roe versus Wade happened, I remember like the feeling of relief that you could feel for women, you know, that, mm-hmm. and then, and then the pill came and then, you know, like we've had all these like reproductive rights. And then now you want to put that genie back in the bottle. Like it's, it's the same That's kind of thing. Happen. Like you can't, yeah, yeah not going to happen. We'll no. see, but you can't put like, you can't like now it's so exposed that the whole like war on drugs was really about putting black men in jail for many right. years so that economically, educationally, um, yeah. socially, like all those things, we're just going to break them. Well, guess what? Didn't break them. Yeah. I think it's part of evolution too. Like I hope, like I feel like it's been slow moving, like racism and and you know, what we've been doing has been slow moving. And I hope and pray that there's going to be a big tipping point. But to your point with Jeannie in the bottle, like we're evolving. There's more awareness. There's more knowing. There's more technology. Like, you know, 10 years ago, the world wouldn't have been able to see what happened to George Floyd. Not even 10 years ago, right? So evolutionary, we have to get better. We have to improve. It does not mean that 
shit's not going to hit the fan first, right? Like sometimes destruction before true evolution or growth, sometimes it has to get worse before it gets better. I pray and I continue to do my own work and the little pieces that I can do to make sure that that doesn't happen. So. I hope we all, I hope we can get better. I do. um, Cause like, I think about, you know, the George Floyd policing act has not been passed yet. (laughs) The anti-lynching law hasn't the, been passed. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, hate, Asian hate law. Yeah. And how was long are they trying to get an anti-lynching? Yeah. But it, it wasn't passed. Black. It it's, it's again, it's that it's that societal construct. Yeah. It is so it is comfortable to or keep it right people. there. We have that. Right. But again, that George Floyd Policing Act hasn't passed because of the fact that qualified immunity is in there. And the police association is one of the biggest funders of the political structure. So you've got to think about, they're not going to try, or they'll try to pass it, but they're going to try to pass it without the anti, without qualified, without including exclusions for qualified immunity. And that's something that as people, we have to make sure we stay diligent about because for all that we're talking about, all the impact that that man's death has had, for that not to take place. And they were trying to pass it supposedly for the one year anniversary, but you notice that you really didn't hear, you haven't heard too much about it now. The media has kind of suppressed that because it didn't pass because they can't move it past because of the qualified immunity. That's like the biggest sticking point in it. We have to break apart these these constructs. We have to, we have to stay connected. And unfortunately, yeah. all this divisiveness that we're hearing about now with anti-Semitism and all of that, and it's real, I totally agree, but we can't be divided against each other. We have to look at what is, who is the true enemy? Is it each other or is it the, con- the government construct that we have? Not trying to sound you know, conspiracy theory, because it's not. They're showing you right in front of you today, a transgender sports law ban just passed in the state of Florida. Today, <laughs> he signed that into law so that transgender girls can't play sports. It's like they're showing you all of their hands right in front of you, the critical race theory laws, the voting laws. Luckily, Texas, I saw you guys were able to fight it off with the voting laws, but yeah. we weren't so <laughs> I lucky. I believe you know? that. Yeah. That's um, awesome. That's a- but th- that shows your state <laughs> is progressive. Your state has shifted. Which all is of these crazy. Things. I yeah, know. It is. Well, because a lot of Californians are moving to Texas. That's that's true. That's true. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, Can I ask a question? Have you you heard of the doctrine of discovery? No. Mm -hmm. Oh, ladies. Oh, ladies. I have a friend. She's in the UK and she has been, um, you know, like uh, unearthing this for herself. And it is a very real Thing and it is, and you guys, I'm not going to say too much about it because I think you should have her on the show and I think you should talk about it because it is wow. It is jaw dropping wow. Mm. Apparently, uh, just a really quick, like thumb, thumbnail sketch. Um, in the 1400s, when they were starting to really do more um, conquest and, and, um, and uh, what do you call it? And, you know, What's like discovery colonizing yeah yeah colonizing. colonizing yeah the pope at that time sent an sent out an edict that said that if you're a conquered people 
that the conquerors have the right to the people and the lands and mm. the economy. Every, like that, that was in the 1400s. That has been carried through mm. where it is now world law that was yeah. upheld by the Supreme Court as recently as, I don't know, 80s, mm. 90s something I don't know when 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 it was recently upheld that's by terrifying it's it's like yeah so you have to have my friend have on because she is just she's she's what she wanted to do this speaking of the anniversary of George Floyd's death she wanted to have that her website up and everything going on but that is really worth that is something that is worth really unearthing and making people mm. aware of because this is it's crazy crazy shit and it's still there on the books it's still world law. Well, with that, this has been a great conversation. Like so robust, like, like we have. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Erin. Thank you, Pam. Pam, how you have an amazing podcast, The Well Done Life. Can you share a little bit about how people can go over there and listen to you there as well? Because we've been on it. We love it. We love you. And we want to spread the message of the work that you're doing as well. So please share. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking to you ladies. This is like the best part of my day. So I appreciate it. Um, the Well Done Life podcast can be found on all streaming platforms. Um, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of those, as well as I also have an Instagram page for the Well Done Life um, podcast as well. And you can also email me at uh, thewelldonelife at gmail.com. Awesome. Good plug. And Erin... Erin talks about connectivity because she has this incredible method called the Birch method where you get really connected with your body in every way. She's an incredible healer. She knows the body inside out. She's fixed me many times. And so Erin, how can they connect with you if they have any injuries or if they want to get to know their body better, if they just want to be more connected and grounded in every way, how can they connect with you? Yeah, connectivity is a passion of mine and um, embodiment through connectivity is definitely a passion of mine. So um, actually my website's down, cut off at the knees right now. And um, you, can, you can email me at thebodywhisperer at me.com, T-H-E-B-O-D-Y-W-H-I-S-P-E-R-E-R at me, me.com. Me.com. And Tita, how do they find us? If they're not already watching us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm still in the conversation. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just like. So oh, much I more. This guy. Yeah. Just like. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> Breathe in. <laughs> Breathe out. You can find us at. <laughs> A black girl, a white girl, conversations.com. Correct? Yes. We have, I haven't, I haven't had to do this in a while. So yeah, we had a black two weeks girl, off. white girl, conversations.com. <laughs> um, that's how you can find us on our website, which you can get to our YouTube channel. And then you can get to our listening um, channels, whether that's uh, iTunes, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. And you can also find us on Instagram at a black girl, a white girl. Well done. All right. Until next time, if you're watching this live, make sure you watch next week's episode. It's going to be a doozy. Oh, it's going to be juicy. <laughs> it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, all of you. Thank you. It's so beautiful to be here. Really quite my honor and privilege.